Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writingexcuses. Season 12, Episode 49. I'm Howard. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. I'm Brandon. And we're not that smart. Because you're in a hurry. 15 minutes long. This is Writing Excuses, Non-Linear Narratives. I cannot believe we got that right. (laughs) (laughs) There was no editing in post for that, actually, legitimately. But a lot of rehearsal. You can see our feet the whole time. (laughs) Uh, We are at the last month of the year. And we are wrapping up our year of structure with talking about the things that are different. We're going to talk about nonlinear structure and viewpoints that we don't normally do, but can still be very cool. All of this stuff that we're going to try to pack into 15 minutes because it's really exciting to writers to do weird artistic things. Yes. Uh, Let's talk about nonlinear structure first. What do I mean by nonlinear structure? So the easiest one that everyone has seen is a flashback. Yeah. Uh, So a nonlinear structure is just something that does not happen in straight chronological order, in in its most basic form. Right. Um, And the flashback is most common, but we also have some weird ones where people will do certain... Um, see certain viewpoints are out of line with one another. This yeah. happened in Robert Jordan sometimes, where you're actually these people are going somewhere and these people are going somewhere, and rearranges the chapters so as you alternate. We're jumping back and forth in time just a little bit. Uh, you see that done more dramatically in books sometimes, where it's you've got a future timeline and a past timeline, mm-hmm. and then you get to the really weird stuff. Yeah, the the classic examples for movies are Memento, mm-hmm. which is every scene is in reverse order. And then Pulp Fiction, which popularized this in the 90s. And then we had this whole spate of nonlinear stories. And what Pulp Fiction did was it basically had a story or several different stories, but then put the scenes out of order. And they're not flashbacks necessarily. They're just, well, you get to see this one first and then this one next because I'm in charge and I can do that. Why would anyone do this? Well, that's I, I actually did that. With the Butcher of Kardov, hmm. which is uh, the the uh, our book of the week this week. Yes, let's um, stop for our book of the week. Our book of the week is the Butcher of Kardov, which is a novella that I wrote for Privateer Press and my sole prose Hugo nomination. Um, it is the backstory of one of the characters in the uh, the Iron Kingdom's setting, who's this big, basically psychopathic warrior wizard guy. Um, and I did not want to Anakin Skywalker him, basically. It's so easy to do it wrong when you're trying to tell the origin story of a, someone who's basically a villain. And so I did it out of order because what I was specifically trying to do was to show that his brain is broken, that he does not think correctly and that he is forever locked in the past because of this one traumatic event where he lost someone important to him. And so by putting the scenes out of order, 
it gave the reader a sense of the same disorientation, mm. that they are also jumping back and forth and they're never sure, okay, in this scene, is she still alive or is she dead yet? And so because he doesn't know and now the reader doesn't know, you can feel some of his pain along with him. Uh, the reason that story works is that each of those, e- even though I don't know where we are in the timeline, uh, the piece that I am reading is enjoyable and contains its own reward. I don't have to know in order for that to be enjoyable. Um, and uh, that principle works throughout our fiction. You're going to give me a chapter that forces me to ask a question and doesn't give me an answer. That's fine. You just got to give me something to keep me reading. Uh, let's talk about a, another version of this, which is the, um, you see this sometimes in television shows, but it's also in books where you see the same scene played out exactly or differently from three different viewpoints. There's a famous X-Files episode mm, where mm-hmm. um, this the is same, the, the Rashomon thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. There's uh, a bonus story for Schlock Mercenary, which de- ha- happens to do this. There are, uh, there's a, a, a great uh, uh, film out of Hong Kong called Hero which does this. Mm-hmm. It shows the same story multiple times from different viewpoints, um, which is not really a flashback. It's different people's perspective on an event. And when they're shown wildly differently, it contrasts all these people. Yeah, and that's that's one of the, the beautiful things about that is that it it really highlights the differences between the characters. And it, it allows you to do uh, some really deep character exploration around traumatic events. Yeah, um, though similar to this is our book of the week, uh, 70 Maxims, which kind of has flashbacks in it, right? Yes, it is. It's nonlinear in that if you keep turning the pages and reading, uh, you know, reading the maxims from one through 70, and we're talking here specifically about the, uh, the defaced edition that has the notes from the people who have owned this book prior to it falling into your hands, um, they did not write those notes in in chronological order on the pages in which the notes appear. And so in order to put their stories together, often you will find yourself paging back and forth through the book. Um, I don't know yet if it works. <laughs> I just know that I love it. I can say <laughs> that it works for me. I really loved seeing some of those stories develop. Yeah. Because on Maxim, you know, whatever number, there's something that... I remember from earlier, oh, this character talked about the same thing. And you don't necessarily know at which point in their lives those notes were written. And they're not presented chronologically in the book. The thing that I did not do with that book, and which I think is pretty important for good nonlinear storytelling, uh, I did not shape the pieces that I put down to create a narrative effect. I didn't mean for the book to be read chronologically and narratively. Um, I meant it to be like a coffee table book that you pick up and read and enjoy and put back down. Um, if you look at a movie like, uh, you know, Memento, well, yes, it's being told backwards, but that doesn't mean the narrative curve is backwards. The narrative curve is shaped correctly because when you watch the events backwards, that's the way the narrative curve works for you with and the reveals. Mm-hmm. This is a, a really good point that one of the one of the things that nonlinear narrative does for you is that it allows you to present the the narrative pieces in the order that the audience needs for the maximum emotional impact. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, you hear me talk about the Mace Quotient a lot, and the, the thing that a lot of people don't understand with this is that these elements, it's not about when those things happen to the character, it's about when it's introduced to the reader. 
And that's one of the things that nonlinear narrative storytelling can do for you is that it can allow you to introduce a piece to the reader before it has happened to the character, which which also then when things happen to the character, it allows some some different resonances to happen. Right. Uh, we talk often about stories being a blend of familiar and strange, mm-hmm. uh, something that you've seen before presented in a new way. And a lot of nonlinear storytelling and the things we're going to talk about further in this podcast can really give that sense where you see a fantasy story, but with the structure all messed up and suddenly you're really excited by, I know this story, or at least I usually know this story, but now I don't, even though the pieces are all familiar. If you want to read a really cool book that does this brilliantly, it's called Second Paradigm by Peter Wax, which is a time travel story about a man who has to solve his own murder. And the chapters are written such that you can read them in any order Hmm. and the narrative arc will still track. You can read them in random order You can just pick a page, start, and go wrap around again. Um, I think Peter's actually working on an e-reader app that will shuffle the chapters for you. Um, but it's, it's really, I don't know how he managed to, to build it that way, but it's, it's very impressive. I just realized another example of this in, uh, uh, TV media, BBC just did, uh, a new version of, uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency Mm. with, um, uh, Elijah Wood as uh, one of the characters, not Dirk Gently, but as, as one of the characters. And I remember watching the first episode and thinking, I do not know what is going on, but I am on board for whatever comes next. And by the sixth of the eight episodes, I think I've got a pretty good idea of what's going on. Are you guys really going to pull this off? And by episode eight, thinking, ah, that's so brilliant. Yeah. Now, another thing you can do in these same veins is you can shake up your viewpoint in tents. Yeah. Hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um... And to intro us talking a little bit about that, let's stop for our book of the week. 
which is Your Mama's Adventures in Parroting? That's right. So this is a short story that I wrote that is on Shimmer Magazine. Um, it is completely nonlinear. There's uh, each, it's, it's actually five different 250-word short stories, um, each of which has Your Mama as the main character. Um, and then those are intercut with... Uh, and they're not, again, it's not a linear thing. It's uh, intercut with um, 500 word, not 500, uh, 500 line, ugh, five line. I know my numbers. Mm. Um, five line, um, f- present tense. Uh, everything else is past tense. So I'm playing with tense. I'm playing right. with. Uh, and is it second person? The, um, your mama, your mama's adventures, uh, your mama's are in third person. Uh-huh. Um, and then the, the, the other ones are in, uh, second. Yeah. Now, when I read this, uh, there was a poll quote as an image in line with the rest of the story. Is that something that happens throughout? And did you pick that or was that just the way That's, Shimmer presented it? Uh, Shimmer presented, uh, Shimmer, Shimmer did the poll quotes from, okay. from those. A lot of them are the, uh, the last lines from yeah. the individual things. Um, and, and what I was doing with that was, was the idea of playing with, um, with the idea that our relationship with our parent is shaped over time, but it's, it's shaped in ways that are nonlinear, that we, we remember aspects of things differently than our parents do. You know, like watching my brother parenting his kids, there are times when he's being really heroic, you know, but to the kid, it's just trying to get them to brush their teeth. Right. You know? <laughs> um, second person, since this did second person, yeah. we haven't talked a lot about it on the podcast. We, we've touched on it a little bit. What does second person do? Why is it a art school cliche and how can it be done um, successfully? So I have, um, I've been thinking about this a fair bit uh, recently uh, because I've been doing some game writing. Okay. And uh, for, for, um, for video game. And what I realized was that most video games are second person narrative, that you have to remember that your audience is the hero of the adventure. And that a lot of times when things go wrong, uh, in terms of the game itself going off, off the tracks, it's, it's when you, you let the player be a sidekick instead of the hero. So second person narrative, uh, in prose form, one of the, the challenges of it, uh, is that you have to figure out a way for your reader to be the hero of the story that is happening without violating their own sense of the world. So, and that's why it is so tricky and difficult to do well, because uh, it's very, you know, anytime you break the reader's suspension of disbelief, it's a problem, but it's really easy to break the reader's suspension of disbelief when you were talking about them. And uh, the Hugo winner of the fifth season yes, um, is an example of doing it well, a very, an excellent book done in the second person uh, by N.K. Jameson. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be done. In fact, it can be done beautifully. It's wonderful when it works. Uh, the reason it sometimes becomes a cliche is because it's one of those things that in the wrong hands, or if you're just doing it for shock value, it doesn't end up working. But you can change tense and viewpoint to great effect in books. I think of The um, the Speed of Dark by Elizabeth Moon, which uh, yeah. won the Nebula, which has sections in um, present tense when most of the narrative is in past tense. Mm-hmm. And this is done so that... Um, she can shift into the viewpoint of someone with autism 
and have it be jarring to you to say, oh, this person is seeing the world differently and it works really well. Um, that also reminds me of um, our book of the week. Our book of the week will be Mulholland Homebrew's Sinister Shop of Secret Pets, which will be a story about a young woman in a society where everyone was apprentice to some sort of wizard. She apprentices to what she thinks is a necromancer, but he's actually a lecromancer who has power over legumes. And they use the power over legumes to grow different foods that they use to take creatures that are past other places and turn them into pets. I will be so excited to have read this. Where will we be able to have gotten this? Um, I have no idea. Uh, It will be available once um, I actually uh, outline and write it, which will probably happen um, sometime in the future, maybe. (laughs) Possibly in a parallel universe. Yes, possibly in a parallel universe. Um, One of the things that I wanted to point out as we talk about some of these shifts and some of these viewpoints is that there are readers for whom this absolutely is not going to work. Uh, my uh, my runewrite stories are written in first person present tense, uh, and I remember somebody commented on it and said, "Oh, this is uh, you know fun story, but this first person present tense it's just a dumb gimmick. There's no point in it." Um, the sort of reader who will respond to you know second person or first person present tense or you know playing with time as oh that's just a dumb gimmick. Uh, You can't make that reader go away. You can't make them not read their book. You just need to make sure that theirs is not the only opinion you're getting as you are soliciting feedback for your book. All right. We are out of time for this episode. Um, Dan, you are going to give us some homework. Let's pause here. Take a note, uh, Dan. When we were talking about Books of the Week and coming up with this cool idea, we forgot to get to this. We actually have... Uh, Dan says, look at fan edits of scenes in order from a nonlinear. And then I will just say, and that leads us to our homework. Uh, And Howard will say, reorder index cards from something and uh, shake things up. Thank you, because I'd forgotten. Yeah. Um, We are out of time. This leads us uh, to our homework. Dan, you have our homework this time. Yeah. So earlier I talked about Pulp Fiction, but uh, you can do this with any number of different things. Uh, Find a movie like Pulp Fiction or Memento or something um, that has a version that's been put in order. With Memento, it's actually on the DVD as an Easter egg. Uh, with Pulp Fiction, there's there's versions on YouTube where all these scenes out of chronological order have been re-edited to be in chronological order. Watch both versions and then ask yourself why. How does it change? Why did the director choose to put them out of order instead of chronologically? What does that add to your experience? That's really interesting, though it reminds me that we haven't given our homework yet this week. Uh, Howard, you are going to give us our homework yes. this week. Yes, uh, take something, take, take an outline of yours, something that you are writing, and uh, move your outline onto index cards, if you're not already an index card person, um, and put you know scenes or chapters or you know pinches, whatever, on a set of index cards, then shuffle them out of order, and read them in the new order and pay attention to how your story unfolds now that it has been resequenced by the random hands of chance. That is great. So now go write because you're out of excuses and this has been Writing Excuses. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. 
This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.